My, oh my, do we have a story for you guys today on the Game Time Guru podcast. We've got a professional football player, business owner, who is going to share their story of perseverance, determination, hard work, and ultimately leading by example and staying true to yourself. You do not want to miss this one. This is the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time This is the Game Time Guru podcast where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What is going on, everybody? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. I am your host, Shane Larson. Excited to be here with you guys today. We've got another amazing story. Before we get to it, though, uh, I got to give a shout out to the title sponsors of the show, 208 Printing. They're getting me hooked up with all my gear. So if anybody out there who's listening to this has a brand, a business, anything, you want to be a walking billboard, you need something printed, whether it's on your clothes, you need any signs done, go to 208 Printing. The link is here. It's madeby208.com. They're the title sponsor of the podcast. Massive shout out. Love the relationship that I have with them. And I'll put that link here in the description. They're a huge reason why we've been able to grow to the to the point that we are. And I also got to give a shout out to the listeners. You guys are all amazing. For everyone who supported me from day one, or if you're just brand new to the show, awesome. Welcome aboard. We're happy to have you. Um, I love everybody who's supported me in any form or fashion as we started in 2017. We're four years strong. We've reached 88 different countries, over 61,000 downloads, and we're continuing to grow organically. So thank you guys so much for um, tuning in. For anyone who's left me a review on my podcast, thank you so much. And uh, we're going to continue to bring you more and more content. Like I said in the introduction, guys, we have an amazing story today. Um, this is one of perseverance. This is one of determination, grit, and uh, one of just continuously working and improving. Um, we got Jordan Harold here. Jordan, thanks so much for joining the show. Yeah, thank you for having me, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, man, I'm excited to have you on here, brother. So, yeah. Jordan, we're going to get to know where you're playing right now in, in just a little bit, but we're going to take a, a step back because your story uh, it really starts a long time ago. So let's let's go back into your high school days. Jordan's a professional football player, and yes. uh, we're going to get to that that point here in just a second. He's also a business owner, an entrepreneur, so we want to kind of get to that as well, but. Before we get to there, we like to hear the the nitty gritty details. So, high school, high school football player. Okay, did you play any other sports in high school? And what was the experience like in high school as a football player? Is that that was like where you continued to play? Uh, that's a yeah. sport you continued to go move on with. What was your high school experience like as an athlete? My high school experience as an athlete. I mean, it was it was it was fun, man. I would say, but it taught me a lot. Um, I would say the football kept me. Um, out of a lot of situations that my friends may have been in, but football has been there for me, I think, from even when I was seven years old. But in high school specifically, it, it did a lot for me. It taught me a lot. Um, I even transferred my freshman year in high school, to, uh, and I stayed in McClure North, which is where I went, um, in St. Louis, Missouri. But that, I would say that coach, Coach Shaw Mueller, um, he taught me values. They taught me things, and I would say being a high school athlete, it showed me a lot. Um, it taught me discipline. Obviously, I had to keep my grades up and all these different things. So I learned a lot. Um, so it was definitely a real big learning experience. And my, and my mom was there. She was on me. So all that stuff played had a factor in it. So it was good, though. It was good. That's good, man. Yeah. Uh, it, it was kind of like the foundation of just like the hard work. Because I think 
speaking from experience as well, Jordan, I mean, you know, I didn't play at the professional level of anything, but I did compete through high school and I still compete to this day as much as I possibly can, um, even at the age of 32. But, you know, in high school, you really start to develop. You get to see like growing up, everybody, you get the athletes that are really good. But when you get into the high school level, that's when you start hitting the weight room. And that's when yeah. you start putting in additional work. And that's when film study starts coming in those little nitty gritty details. And I think it kind of builds a foundation for whether or not you're going to take it to the next level, um, which would be the collegiate level. Now, in high school, even your, your senior year, talk to us about that a little bit. Did you have any offers coming out of there? Who was looking at you? Um, and how did you feel you were as an athlete? Did you know, did you trust yourself um, knowing that you could play at that next level? Oh, yeah. I, I knew it from the time. Yeah, I knew it from the jump. I always knew I could play at the next level. Um, did I have doubts from other people? Yeah. Um, I would say even as an athlete, I know you asked me to play other sports. I did. Um, but football was always the one I excelled in. Um, but I would say as an athlete, like, it, it was times to where, like, I, I didn't play how I played now, right? But, um, you know, because I kind of did too much. Like, I've stayed – you ever seen an athlete that stayed too disciplined and did yeah. everything the coach said? Yeah, that was me for for a, for a while. So I had to settle into myself. I think I went from uh, one extreme one extreme to the other once I started learning different things. But coming out, man, I had I went on an unofficial trip to Illinois. They had interest. I had interest from Youngstown State. Um, I went to a camp. I had interest from Tennessee Martin. A couple different places, but they just didn't fall through, but a school that came uh, and actually spent, I think, all of my fifth period with me. I even skipped my fifth period class. I had like three lunches that day, but it was with uh, Northwest Missouri State. Um, and Coach Ken Gordon talked to me, um, and they offered me. It was a Division II college. Um, so that's really where I ended up going because everything else kind of just didn't fall through how I wanted it to. The D1 offers I wanted didn't happen. Um, but I always knew who I was. I always knew that I could play on that level, no matter what anybody said. I think I even had a coach that told me I was a more of a D1 AA or a D2 um, athlete. You know what I mean? But in my head, I knew where I could be. So no one no one could really tell me different, you know? I like that. So listeners yeah. pay attention right now, especially the athletes, especially young athletes, because, Jordan, you had a mentality where you, you knew – where what you were able what you were capable of doing however i think what happens in high school athletics is you could be excelling on the field or wherever it may be whether it's the court the field where if you're playing baseball it doesn't matter right you could be excelling but sometimes collegiate recruits like sorry recruiters they're looking at uh, at guys and sometimes they look at their physical stature or they'll look at these little things that they don't they don't see the full picture right or maybe they do, the, and, and that athlete might not just be fully developed quite yet, and they need to get to that next level as your body gets, you know, you get older, your body matures, and so forth. But for you, I mean, what position? Let's tell the, the the listeners real quick. What position did you play through high school in, in football? Like, to, what were you playing? So throughout high school, I played defensive end. That's where I excel. But I also play offensive guard. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that I was the smallest offensive guard I think on the team. I was two forty five. But I, you know, and I played both sides of the ball, and I started on both sides of the ball. Um, so that was something that I did throughout my years of high school. So it, it and it, you're right, it's crazy. Like recruiters don't look at everything, and I think they a lot of times they look at stats. So guys could be overlooked, or the school that they went to, the record is bad. Who knows? Sometimes guys can just be overlooked, and and it happens nonstop. It happens. So. Oh, for sure. There's yeah. a ton of diamonds out there that need to be found. And 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 I'll just be I'll be full disclosure. This is why I can't stand the mainstream media outlets either, especially in local networks. Like you've got some like local TV and newspaper areas, but there are 
non-traditional media outlets such as podcasts and people covering on Instagram stuff. They need to be out there and people need to be following these guys because that's where you find the diamonds, in my opinion. Even here locally in Idaho, we've got some guys covering high school uh, basketball in way more in-depth through their non-traditional media outlets and you'll see in a mainstream thing so that the recruiters can see that kind of stuff because they can't see everything and they find the things they pick and choose. And that might be stats or whatever it may be, like you just said. Um, so for the average person, uh, you're six foot two, right? Like roughly. Right. Okay. So the average person, like you're saying, oh, six foot to six foot two, 245 pounds. That's, that's a beast. But just understand that like, that is a very, in my opinion, like I'm six two, two twenty. Um, but I can't even imagine playing on the defensive line at the professional level, let alone like at the collegiate level. So this is what I want people to understand. Yes, for an average human being, that's a decent size individual. Right. But for the college football realm, especially on the defensive front, that isn't the biggest uh, of, of people, right? There, you're going up against like six foot five offensive linemen that are three hundred plus. Yeah. Uh, you go to Northwest Missouri State, or you yeah. got an offer from Northwest Missouri State. Did you always have a goal then in your mind? Did you say, is this, this was a temporary thing? Is that kind of how you thought of it when you wanted to go play at Mizzou? What was that mindset like? No, nah, man, I would say that I went to Northwest Missouri State thinking that I was going to get there and I was going to ball out and I was going to stand out and get NFL attention no matter what. Um, and that was the idea for me. I mean, it was it was like, okay, even my family sat down and said, listen, you can be um, – you can be a small fish in a big pond or you can – or a regular size fish in a big pond, or you can be a big fish in a small pond. So then when it was put to me like that, I, that's how I took it. You know, I always had the mentality that, you know, I'm going to go here and I'm going to be the big fish. You know, when I got there, things were a little different, you know, given, but, you know, that's, that's the mentality I had going in. It just was. Real quick question on that. Yeah. Uh, the the athletes that were at Northwest Missouri State, and I guess anywhere for them. And we'll kind of get into that too, but they're not D1 athletes. But what was it like? Did you were you surprised by how good the athletes actually were at that level? Um, I would say that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't say super surprised. Well, I would say the the NFL scouts, right? That were at Northwest at the time that I came, at the time that you know they kind of told me about, which is another selling point on the school that they gave me. Like it. When you when I got there and I saw those seniors and I saw those guys who were older than me, yes, I would say that it was it was crazy talent. Even the guys that came in with me, I think we came in with like thirteen defensive ends. Like, yeah, it was a lot of defensive linemen that year. Um, and it was uh, Coach Wright. He's the head coach now, but he was a DC back then. And I think it was his like testing thing. And they, we were all majority. We had like thirteen kids from St. Louis alone. So it was it was a crazy time. But I think the the athletes at Northwest Missouri State, they they were a powerhouse. I mean, our freshman, our freshman, freshman year in championship. Um, the next year, it wasn't a championship, but it was a playoff. And then the year after that, even when I left, they won a championship. So they always had those caliber of players. And I think that Northwest has uh, had a sense of picking those diamonds in the rough and kind of building it, building teams and, and kind of making things work. I mean, because Adam Doyle, he was the head coach at the time. I would say they, they did a great job when it comes to play and all that different stuff. But those those boys are some dogs, man. I got I got I got some boys on that team that I would have went like if I could, I would have brought them to Mizzou with me. You know, and it's that's I, I I would have to say that. You know, totally. I would have yeah. to. Goodness gracious, yeah. So there is yeah. talent out there, guys. Like I I just want the athletes and coaches and just fans in general who are hearing this to understand. There are, like George said, there are dogs. There are um, some amazing athletes at all levels. Um, you just got to be able to find them. And obviously, that was a great program, great uh, great athletes. Yeah. But 
your your story didn't stop there. Like you said, like what you just you kind of alluded to it when I left. Talk to us about what was going on um, and what made you decide to leave and go take your shot, your leap of faith over at Mizzou. Yeah, I would say I was having, you know, it was inner turmoil. You know what I mean? Um, so I even I mean, I had relationship issues. That was really nothing. I would say that. Um, and they actually at Northwest, they gave us an opportunity to, to uh, me and three other players. You know, I won a scout team player of the year on defense with my with my um, my late friend, Django Nick Turner. Rest in peace. Um, he actually died at Northwest. So he had epilepsy. But and then Miles McIntyre, who was my best friend and we came from the same high school. We all went to Kuwait City, Kuwait. We were feeling good about ourselves. We wanted a reward. We came back and then uh, a number of things started to happen. Right. I wasn't getting. Um, I, I would say that some may have reflected in my play, right? Because uh, when I went over, I would say that even in in Kuwait, when I played with Team USA, they taught me different techniques. You know, they taught me different things. So when I got back, the technique was different. So I would say that my technique was a little off. Um, things were off, but I wasn't. I wasn't playing. You know, and, and the game of football um, started to kind of let me down a little bit, and then I started to get down on myself. You know, I would see things, I would hear things, or even, you know, a lot of times it's, it's just mental health, man. I would say that my mental health was down um, once I started noticing that I wasn't getting the attention of different things like that. Because obviously the guys over there built a relationship with the coach and, it, and things just happen. It's not nothing like, you know, malicious or on purpose, you know what I mean? But right. um, when they, when you do, when those players developed and I had to kind of take a step back on things, it, it bothered me, you know, and then. I started to think more and more and, and then not realizing who I was and, you know, and trusting my abilities and, and trusting myself, you know, I started to just spiral down and again, just go into even more turmoil. Um, and, you know, it just, a lot of stuff started to happen, you know, just not, we're not playing. Um, you know, I started to get a little depressed. A whole bunch of things started happening for me. Right. And even I would say around the winter time, you know, that's, you know, I, I'm from Ferguson, Missouri, you know, St. Louis, and that's the time, you know, Mike Brown, all that stuff kind of happened. And it was it was just so much added, consistent. I was worried about my family. I was worried about people. It is not something we really talked about, you know, at the school. It just wasn't. Um, but it bothered, especially those guys from North County. It, it messed with us. It just really did, you know. Yeah. So um, it, it was a lot of stuff that played into it. Um, but I remember um, the transition really happened when those coaches – at Kuwait, I remember what they told me, you know, and the whole time God was with me. Um, I, I can say that definitely. Uh, but the, I remember what the coaches told me. They told me that, you know, you're a D1 athlete, you're a D1 player. See, the USA today, I mean, USA, Team USA coaches told me that. And I, I had to really go deep down inside and figure out who I was, you know, and something was told to me, right? They also played into it um, about why I wasn't playing. Um, so, but I won't get into that because who knows with that situation. Um, maybe I, I can definitely tell you off air, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah, sure. um, but I would say that I even sat down with the DC coach right at the time and we just talked, you know, and he, and I appreciate him more than ever. Cause he sat down, he actually talked to me, he expressed to me that he didn't want me to leave. You know, he started to, um, build me up in a lot of different ways, uh, as time went on. But I think that my head and my space I was in, everything was telling me to leave to the point to where I, I remember 
one day I was actually coming back to Northwest, you know, because I was contemplating on it for so long. And I was asking the coaches about transferring the USA coaches. Um, and they were trying to give me different connections. But one day, Coach, Coach Brady, um, Aaron Brady, I want to make sure you get his name right. I think I believe his, I know his last name is Brady. I believe it's Aaron. He, he told me, you know, to come to this camp in Kansas, uh, Kansas City. Um, and I had to talk to uh, this group of kids, right? And it was for Team USA, right? And it was at a camp. I say it was like maybe like 300 kids. I, I, I forget the number. Um, but he brought me up because I was a captain over there in Kuwait when we went to go play. And he brought me up. We talked. Um, I talked to them, and I just told them, like, you know, you can do anything you want. You know, believe in yourself. You can achieve anything. You can achieve great things. And as long as you stay true to yourself um, and disciplined and you do what's right, you know, nothing can go wrong. And as I talked more and more to the kids, I realized I was talking to myself. Soon after that, there was a man there. I can't say the man's name. <laughs> But it was a man there that told me, hey, I heard that you want to transfer. And I heard you were thinking about Mizzou. He said, I can get you into Mizzou. And it, it was just, it was crazy. And, I, and even on the way, like, to the, the drive there, I would say to that camp, you know, you have to drive past Columbia, Missouri to get to Northwest Missouri State. You just do. Right. So it was a sign on the side of the road. You know, and I'm like, you know, I'm seeing the Tiger stuff. I'm like, man, that would be so dope. But it was just one sign on the side of the road, and it said "Bleed Black and Gold." And when I saw that sign, I could my heart exploded. I have no like if I could describe God talking to you, or hearing the voice, or whatever. That was that in that instant, and something took over me, and I didn't understand it until I got to that camp. <laughs> so, and I'm like, whoa, you know, it's too many signs. So. When I say it's a leap of faith, it was really that. When I say everything in my body started to tell me, listen, you have to make this move, it's now or never. You can choose to stay, but what's best for you? And I had to sit down, talk to my mother, talk to my family. She told me, she got me, she believed in me, and she knew I could do it. So if you have that type of support behind you, thank God. If you have that type of support behind you, you know, a parent is willing to even take out a loan to help you, I can't. You know, I can't pass it up. So I went, man, and the rest is history. It was, I, w I would say that even going there, though, it wasn't, it wasn't, the, he, because he kind of gave me, um, he gave me the guy that, you know, told me he can get me to Mizzou. He had, the, he had definitely had connections, but there was no guarantees. Right. It wasn't until, you know, I think you read the story, right? It wasn't until my mother and my sister, you know, we drove in the car, we went up to Mizzou, and we went looking for the coaches. Like I wanted to, we wanted to find a coach's, coach's office because we weren't getting the emails, we weren't getting texts, weren't getting anything. And we we drove onto a Mizzou Athletic Training Center, which we call the Matsy at Mizzou. And they got a whole bunch of new stuff now. I'm kind of jealous, man. It's dope. <laughs> yeah, they got all, yeah, they got all new everything. But we went up there, and I um, and the first person I saw was Coach Kuligowski. I saw Coach Kuligowski. Like, I went up there a time before I ran into Matty Mark and, you know, a couple other players. And Matty Mark's probably the coolest guy I met. Um, but when I saw Coach Cool, I just immediately ran up to him. And I'm like, hey, Coach Cool, uh, my name is Jordan Harold. Um, I'm a defensive end, and I, and I want to walk on. I want to play for I want to play for Missouri Tigers. You know, he looked he, – I guarantee you not – I mean, I kid you not. He looked at me. He looked me up and down and kind of sized me up. 
said, okay, follow me, and took me upstairs, and that was it. <laughs> that was it. He, I, I sat down with Coach Otterbacher. They told me what I needed to do. They had me come um, to the to the trial, but he kind of told me that they looked at my film. They liked it. It was fine, so I didn't have to really do do that part. So it was really like, here's your here's your opportunity. Wow. Take it. Yeah, when I you know, when I could say like it was, I can't describe it, but it was literally a leap of faith, and I received it, and it was from God. Like I, I just can't, I can't say anything else but that because that's what it was. You know, I I think a lot of us we have the regardless of belief or whatnot. I mean, there are divine. I I have a full belief. There's divine intervention in in anything we do. It's not just spiritual. It's like for yeah. football, that's your career. That's uh. That's a, that's a passion yours. I believe that the Lord himself actually has a, a hand in every single thing we do. And yeah. so a lot of us, though, we get those uh, those uh, revelations, if you will. We get those um, feelings, those confirmations, and we don't act upon them. You did, yeah. though. You you acted upon it. You said, okay, I know I'm being spoken to here. Um, if yeah. I don't act upon this, then I'm essentially not listening to God himself. So yeah. let's go. I love that story, man. I love the details of it, too. For those listening, obviously, and, and myself included, there's a lot. It wasn't just like it, it wasn't just like you just started over there. You guys drove down there. You looked for yeah. the coach. You were you introduced yourself. Um, you told them what you wanted to do, and then the opportunity yeah. presented itself. Tell us, Jordan. Though you you get to Mizzou, you you start to play on the team. Uh, there's that whole thing. It said walk on to starter to captain. In a couple of years, I think you even put that yeah. on your sign. Uh, we'll talk about it in just a second. Yeah. What was the transition like at Mizzou? Now you're at an SEC school. I'm sure you'd watched them multiple times growing up, seeing how they are. This is SEC yeah. football, though. A uh, whole nother ball game. What was it like transitioning over there? And now you've got your new beginning. Man, it was uh, um, a crazy transition. I think even um, even leading up to it, you know, and just to backtrack just a little bit. I know you said, uh, what was it? Uh, it was a it was a big process because I even had to cut off everything in Northwest. I had to leave a sky. I had to do that first. Scholarship, okay, Th yeah. <laughs> listen, listen, okay. Let's let's touch it. Anybody who's going to school, myself included, scholarship means you don't. You're like you, you got some tuition paid for. So now all of a sudden, you just kind of reference it too, like taking out a loan, right? Like we're there's things yeah. that have to be done. All of a sudden, you got big boy adult things to handle. Now you got loans taken out to go to school rather than having everything paid for you and catered to you. Now exactly. it's kind of like you're on your own. So yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Just that's a mental shift in and of itself. Yeah, I had to. My, that's something because my mom knew it wasn't going to be easy. <laughs> she know, I, you know, she helped me out a lot. But I, when I say I, I had to leave, that I had to leave. I had to just completely send it into the coaches. Like yeah, I'm leaving. You know, before I had any idea what was going to happen with Mizzou, I had to leave that first. And it, I would say it was it's a, it's a crazy process, man. I mean, I would. From that point, I would just wake up and see myself. I would watch, like it was sometimes I couldn't sleep, man. I would watch, um, I would watch a video of highlights of me of Mizzou players making sacks every morning at five a.m. for like an hour, and I couldn't just. But I would see myself doing it, right? So it, that was form of meditation for me, like you know. But it it was just amazing, man. But the the process of going in as a walk on, I would say that um, my first game in Mizzou because I, I couldn't go to camp. I couldn't for a while because they had to have a certain amount of people and walk-offs came in like the, I think like the second week, right? Especially for me, I was ineligible. So the whole first year I was ineligible. So I couldn't play if I wanted to, or if they wanted me to. Um, one of my first game was actually in the stands. 
So I had to sit and watch the team, even though I was on the team. I had to sit and watch the team from the stands my first game. Even though I practiced with them the week before and all that, Weird. I had to sit in the stands. Yeah, I had to sit in the stands. So I probably, I probably got there like the, the final weeks of camp towards the game, but I had to sit in the stands. And I just remember it, you know, like, again. And some walk-ons didn't even want to go up to the stands. Some walk-ons didn't want to, but I did. You know, I'm like, let me go sit up there. You know, let me see what it's like on this side. Because I've never been to a Mizzou game before that. So that my first game was seriously, like, in, in the stands. It was dope. Who were they dope. playing that first game? Do you remember? Yeah, they were playing South Carolina. Oh, uh, okay. no. As a matter of fact, it was it was Southeast Mizzou. It was SEMO. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. And okay. then, uh, yep, it was SEMO. I remember it was SEMO. So it was the first game of the season. Crazy, man. So yeah. you got to see it as a fan, too. We kind of like experience that before you ever got yeah. to actually play in a game on the field. You know, Jordan, you obviously put the work in. Um, but what does that mean? We hear that all the time. You got to put the work in. You got to put the work in. What did you bring to that program as a walk on, you know, new to the team, obviously having to deal with being a walk on? You got a lot of additional pressures. You're a student athlete. You got to pay for your own school now. You got a lot of stuff that's going on, additional pressures. But what did you bring to the team? Um, to allow you to kind of excel and grow so quickly within the program to where then you became a starter and then a captain? Yeah, I would say that um, the biggest thing I did, I they really didn't say much, but it was what I did, uh, my actions, I, workouts, practice, everything was 100%. I think every last thing I did, I did 100%, and I, I put in time. It was times to where even I knew I couldn't play, so I know I wasn't playing the game. So it was like the next day after the game, I would go in and I would do more work. I would prepare myself. I would envision myself. And I gave the offense that year, I gave them hell on scout team. I'll tell you that right now. There's some guys in the pros that they know who I am. And they they didn't like me that year. But I gave them hell. And I, and I went full throttle in everything that I did. I didn't say much. I respected the coaches. Yes, sir. No, sir. And I just put my head down. I just worked. A lot of times we worry about different things, um, but I just control what I could control. And, you know, that's all you ever can do. And that's exactly what I did. Man, I love that. I, I love hearing it because there's so many people who would get down in your situation just because, yeah, they're there and that's cool and all. But then once they have to put in the work, they realize how hard it really is. Like the whole the whole idea of practicing, knowing that you can't play right now and stuff like that, those types of things. I know yeah. and I'm not going to be there. that. That is a, a mental grind for a lot of athletes. They, the fans don't understand that sometimes if they've never actually been in the thick of things. But when you have to go through day in and day out, understanding that like you might not be there, you might not get a play, you probably won't get a play, but you got to give 100%. It's easy to not give 100%. Like that's it's, it's easier to not give 100% than it is to give 100%. The fact that you were doing that, taking advantage of every single opportunity that came your way, leading by example, but scout team, I love that. Like, you know, giving them yeah. hell. You know, you're, you're doing what you got to do. What was that? I was, I was six string. They damn me dead last on everything the whole year, uh, and string. I had to, yeah, and I had to, and I had to, you know, it, it was even times the players would say, yeah, the coach, Coach Kuligowski doesn't play walk-ons. I heard that over and over, and I just didn't care. I was like, I'm gonna play. So I had to, I had to stay strong in my belief, cause you know, and keep that faith because it was given to me. So. No matter what you, it was like, no matter what I heard, my 
my faith never withered away. You know, I was always like, oh, no, it's going to happen. Like, I know it will. I love that, man. That's what we yeah. all need to be like, man. That's you yeah. tell those kids that at that camp, too. Just, you know, you're telling the kids the same thing. Like, if you want to be something, you can do it. Stay true to yourself. You can yeah. Do what you want to do. That, that whole concept. And you were doing that. And you continue to do that to the point of where you became a starter in an SEC football team and a captain. Talk yeah. to us about that when you were named a starter, when you actually like ended up getting to be a vital part of that team. What was it like? Was it did it feel like, you know, this vindication, or were you just like, what were you, what were your overall emotions? It was surreal, man. I really didn't. <laughs> it didn't hit me until it hit me. I would say that, <laughs> I, but I knew, I knew like in my head again. I knew it was going to happen, but it took me a while to adjust. Like for me to adjust to that, um, you know, because things are like, why is actually here? You know what I mean? Like it, I even told the graduates and I said, listen, you know, I'm going to start when, when August comes. He said, yeah, man, you know, you know, we'll see, you know, you know, oh, how yeah, I do. Yeah. I'm, right, I'm going to show you. And it, and it happened, you know, but um, there was a lot of things that went into it. You know, we, Coach Pinkle retired that year. Uh, so we had a whole new coaching staff. Um, well, not a whole new coaching staff, but obviously Coach Oldham took over. Um you know, we had a new D-line coach, new D, new defensive coordinator, a whole bunch of new things happened. So everybody had a fresh start. So and I think that played that that helped me in a lot of ways because I was no there was no bias. And I played, you know, I, and I really did. It was a coach there, Coach Cross. Um, and he saw my work. He saw me doing different things and he highlighted it, you know, and I thank him for that. Um and it's just stuff like that that you know that you got you just got to be thankful for it, man because opportunity presents itself and no matter what anybody says doors are open and once they open you just got to walk straight through them you got to you got to sprint through them yep. so and, and you know and that's what happened that's what man happened. it's just insane tell us about this then jordan in the sec as a football player what was one of your favorite stadiums to play in or what was your favorite stadium to play in, I guess, outside of your home stadium? What was the best stadium you played in, uh, whether it be loud or whatever? Just tell us your favorite stadium and why. Man, I would say the favorite stadium it was a bad game. <laughs> the favorite stadium was um, it was LSU, man. Between LSU and South Carolina, you can't – and Georgia my, my senior year as well. Georgia was dope. But I would say – LSU, it was between LSU and Georgia, I would say, but LSU was, that's the one I remember the most. There was like 110,000 people there. It was huge. I mean, you got, it, it was so, it was so loud. <laughs> it, was, it was it was amazing though. Like you had to like, wow. And it was their homecoming, which is what, what's even worse. What, <laughs> what made it worse was because of the fans and all that stuff. But it was, it was crazy, man. It was crazy. How do you, as a player, try to focus when you've got those types of statements. That's what a lot of the, the fans out here, football fans, college football fans in general, they, they see that. Like, that's why there's home field advantages. When I went to Ohio State to watch them play Oklahoma, I'm a Buckeyes fan. So when I went there in, in 2017, uh, I mean, we had 109,000 people there. I'm from Boise, so I went to Boise State. We're used to 36,000 people in our stadium, right? It's a small school, right? But uh, Ohio State was a whole different – it's, it's just – it's hard to explain to people who've never been to a stadium like that, but it was massive and it was loud. So I'm curious as a player, yeah. how do you block that out? I mean, it, it takes, it takes a lot of focus, a lot of locking in, but the fans definitely play a huge part, especially when it comes to energy, man, I'm an energy guy. So you got all these fans 
hooting and hollering and, and you know hoping their team wins it. I mean, it plays an effect too, even when they go, oh, you know, you can hear that stuff. Even being a home team, is, if something happens and it's bad, you can hear your fans' energy kind of go down. Like you can feel it. So it's like as a player, you, you can feed off of it. It can go against you. It depends, but. It, it takes definitely blocking it out and just focusing, especially on, on the other side of it. It's because it, it can be a lot sometimes. You got to focus. You got to just know it, it becomes you got to stay within the team. You know, the team has to come together. The energy within the team has to be good because you're still the ones on the field. You know, you're still the ones on the field. Totally. I can imagine it's tough, though, if you're getting steamrolled and, and you know, it's a domino effect and you're just like, ah, oh, you can't. You're just like, get this over with. You know, it's just like <laughs> nothing good coming. Oh, yeah. man, it's crazy. Who, who was the best player you faced, I should say, like on offense? So you're on defense on the on the front. Who was the best offensive player you ever faced? The best player. Okay. Josh Dobbs. Okay. Josh. Yeah, I'm going to say that because we played him at Tennessee. And I just remember – Heading to get a sack or chasing after this man, and he literally, not only he <laughs> he ran backwards, but still gained like fifty yards. It was insane. I would say that dude was it, it pissed you off to a point, but it was like you can't do anything. I mean, you could do something about it, obviously, but that play, the way he played, the way he ran, he did his thing that game, man. He really did. <laughs> yeah, he did his thing. So I'm gonna give it to Josh Dobbs. I have to. Hey. Hey, I respect that. That's that's an underrated name right there. I mean, we all know how good he was, but he didn't get the 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 fame, so to speak, as a lot of the other quarterbacks and other athletes in that conference during that era. Um, so that that's good. I like to hear that. Uh, yeah. Shout out to him. I always say this. Then Jordan, like when I when I when I'm playing basketball or whatever, and we got good defense, and some dude just scores on him. You know, sometimes yeah. it's great defense, just better offense. Sometimes that's what happens, man. So like you might be right there, but it's just better yeah. offense. Got to give you know hats off to the guy, Josh Dobbs. Okay. I dig that. I dig that. So, so Jordan, you get to the point, you know, your, your career at Mizzou it was super cool just to watch the progression and just even hearing about it, just the progression from the day you stepped there to the day, you, you know, you ended, it was, it was really cool just to kind of see the the progression and, and just overall, just, I guess the word would be um, evolution of you as an athlete, as you, as a human being, as a man growing, you know, going, but uh, get to the NFL um, and your name wasn't called. So yeah. here we are again now. Now, so you've started to gr grow and you're getting this momentum. It's rolling, it's rolling and rolling. And all of a sudden your name's not called in the NFL draft. So you're faced with another obstacle. Talk to us about that experience. Cause now, you know, you've had this, you went through some tough times. Now you're happy. Then another yeah. tough moment hits the emotions behind that and the energy behind that. How did that feel? Um, not hearing your name called. Yeah. I would say, you know, the, the, that stuff, it, it sucks. I mean, cause you know, you're hoping for things and you want things. Um, but again, for me, it just went back to trusting. Ah, for like why nothing was received. I had, I got a couple ideas, <laughs> maybe why. But um, at the end of the day, again, I had to literally come to myself, control what I control. Right? I would say that even that sent me on an amazing like journey to find more of myself. And even now, you know, even now I know I'm gonna get there. Like I know nobody, again, nobody can tell me I'm not. But I would say that the preparation that was needed um, and the preparation that I've been going through over the last couple of years has been amazing. And I think that it, when I do get there, I'm, it'll help me explode, you know, cause that's what I wanna do. So I would say that it's been a, 
that but come going into it it's like man you know what happened you know what, what's next and i just know that I, I knew that i had to stay active i knew that i had to keep producing film that I, knew, I knew i had to keep staying on myself and staying within the game and just never give up and that's the biggest thing and so that's been with me and that's what i'm going to continue to do <laughs> i dig it yeah. This, this is why I love following you too on social media. I'm going to put your your link here below in the in the description here. I want everybody to go follow you, man. Is because I see the mentality. It's it's awesome. It's a it's a growth mindset. Um, you help people, and we'll talk about your business here in just a moment too. But I just love the overall mentality. You've been there, so I I prefer to hear from people and learn from people who have actually been there. I like to take financial advice from those who actually have money. I like to take fitness advice from those who are in shape. I like to take you know mental health and just overall career coaching and life coaching from people who have been there, that kind of thing. And you're one of those people who've been there. You've been through the ups and downs. You know what it takes to get there. Um, yeah. You did, you did go viral. Um, what's funny about that. It's funny. And I, I say funny because it, it was an interesting approach. You went yeah. viral with a, with a, with a sign that you stood outside of the Carolina stadium. Talk to us about that. I mean, it, I, I'm yeah. laughing, but it's like, one of the most that's what I think is interesting now that I've talked to you and I kind of hear the backstories, it's yeah. not a surprise at all because I'm like, dude, the dude will do what it takes to get yeah. out. Like, he's he's gonna take unique approaches. But talk to us about the sign that you held out in front of uh Carolina Stadium. What's crazy is my mother told me to do that a year before I did it. Oh, are you and, serious? Yeah, yeah. And she told me, um, what did she tell me? She said I should do it, but we just did not, we didn't know where the Panthers practice, right? So uh, we had no idea, we didn't put two and two together that they, that they practice. They, they had to drive in right there at the stadium, right? We just didn't have no idea. But time went on. You know, I went to Mexico. I played in Mexico, did great in Mexico. Um, had like 18 sacks and eight games, came back. Um, and I love Mexico for another reason, too. But I came back, and all I know is, man, I was, you know, because I didn't know what to do next, right? But I just knew that I was going to be okay, right? So we're walking down next to the Panther Stadium, and my mom mentions it again, you know, I'm like, yeah, maybe we should just figure it out. But again, man, signs, like, again, I don't really believe in, um, if you just believe in a general creator, the universe, whatever the case may be, I got signs, man. And I would see, there's I, one thing I pay attention to is numbers. So I'm walking past the stadium, and I'm down there, and my stepfather, he's actually, my late stuff, stepfather, he's actually driving around at the time, and, he came to pick us up later because he was doing Uber because it was a game, right? Um, and we see, I see number, I see five, 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 right? After my mom mentions it, and we're just, we're just having fun on the uh, scooters down down there. Yeah, yeah. I keep seeing this number, like it was five, five, five on the clock. Um, I saw it somewhere. It was like on an address. You know, I kept seeing it somewhere. I just saw this three times, right? And we just talked about this situation. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do it, right? So I go home, I even call, um, you know, and my mom was pushing me to do it from the jump, I told you. But I even called one of my mentors, his name is Angelo Frazier, and he said, yeah, man, I would encourage you to do it. You never know what could happen. You, you may go viral. <laughs> so so, uh, so I, I, I write the sign, you know, and I'm putting, the, he even said put athlete looking for a shot. I put the wheel password for hot wings. That was my idea. I just. That's dope. <laughs> yeah. And then, so I went, went to the stadium the next day, and lo and behold, man, I went viral. I was standing out there. I didn't expect anything. I just wanted the coaches to see. But it was a, a, a fox. The, a news car drove past me, and I guess he saw me because he didn't stop, right? But 
they came back and then they came up to me and Will Kunkel, uh, the reporter of Fox 46, he came up and he said, hey man, <laughs> we're gonna do a story on you. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, it's happening. So it was again, signs just leading me to this. So this is not, this isn't just something that not only I want to do, but it's something I know I have to do and I have to finish. Right. So it's been, it, man, it's been crazy, man. <laughs> it's, been, it's been crazy, man. So, so how long ago was that day that you held a sign just for reference for the listeners? That was May of 2019. May of 2019. Um, the exact date, I do not remember. It was, but it was definitely May of 2019. May of 2019. Okay. So what has transpired since that date? I mean, you continue to put the work in. Let's talk about that. So you went viral. Everyone's like, cool, cool. But did you play? Like, we want to know what's transpired since then and what opportunities have you had? Yeah. So the, the Panthers did not pick me up. Right. Um, they told me some things um, like they needed more film or they no, there. What it was is camp was full. So at the time, a lot of camps were full. Um, they just were um, at that time. But I would say that. Uh, so I got invited to the XFL combine. Um, I got reached out for a, a couple of arena leagues. Um, people just started reaching out to me. Um, and even some wing places reached out to me. I think yeah. Hooters, he stopped it. I did the thing with Hooters. It was pretty dope. Um, you know, maybe an endorsement in the future, hopefully. <laughs> but, there you go. You heard it. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. But as time went on, um, you know, just just some doors of opportunities open up. And but it still wasn't, you know, it wasn't done. You know, the XFL combine, that was a dope invite. I did great there. Um, I think at that combine, I performed one of the best I've done in, in any combine. Um, so it was that was really good for me. But time went on, you know, I still didn't know. So I went to the spring league, you know, the spring league, um, you got to pay to play. That's what it is. Um, and then even after that, I went to something called the Pacific Pro Scrimmage. And this is where, you know, more stuff started happening. So and it's, a, it's something held by um, Tom Brady's agent, Don Yee, right? And it's so dope what he did because he took the time to actually know us um, as players. It was only like, I would say 16, 15 to 20 players there that I remember. But it was at least like 12 scouts or 12 to 16 scouts. NFL, you had the Jets, you had the Browns, you had people there that watched us literally work out. And it was it was two CFL scouts there. One happened to be the Calgary Stampeders. So the Calgary Stampeders, they saw me work out. Um, and what happened is I ended up getting an agent right soon after that. And just connections were made. And the CFL, the Calgary Stampeders signed me. Right? They signed me to a futures contract for 2020. Um, so that was 2020 was supposed to be the start of my, uh, you know, Canadian football league, you know, career was my rookie debut. Obviously, COVID, obviously, COVID happened, a whole bunch of things happened. So, time went on. They still kept me, uh, the CFL kept me, Calgary kept me for a while. Um, and then time went on, but I'm like, okay, if Canada's uh, borders can be closed, right, if all this can happen, then. I can't just sit still. I have to keep going because who knows what can happen. The NFL is the only thing that was still going at the time. Right. I'm like, I have to keep myself going. Um, but I got an opportunity and I got an email for something that says scouts would be there um, and all this other stuff. And uh, so I, I, and it was for this new league. Right. So now, now we're here now called the Fan Control Football League. Uh, so I go, you know, and I, I didn't really know what to expect. 
you know, it was a great trial. Um, it was fun. It was long. <laughs> it was cold. It was actually here in Atlanta. Um, but the commissioner, Ray Austin, I remember him talking about what he wanted to do for athletes, not only on the field, but off the field. And how he interviewed every athlete that was there and how we told our story. We told about who we are. We told about our businesses and what we wanted to do in life. So that spoke volumes to me. Um, so after that, they presented me with a contract. Um, and I signed it, man. I mean, I, I, I first thought it was going to be a little different. I thought it was going to be 11, man. Uh, but it, it's still a great game. It, you know, seven on seven, still get the rush to passer, um, all those different things. But now we're here, you know. So, and actually two weeks ago, um, or I think it was February 3rd, the Calgary Stampeders actually dropped me, right? Oh, wow. Okay. And... I have had a conversation with somebody that was trying to prevent me to go because of my CFL contract. But I'm like, how would I know that's guaranteed given everything that's been going on? So I'm more than happy in, that I'm here because I felt like something told me, again, something told me to go. So yeah. I'm here and now I'm in the FCF. So it's it's been a crazy ride, man. And I'm still going. Man, it's so cool. And, and I love that you're, you know, you're, you're taking advantage of every opportunity that's given to you. You know, like if, if you feel that it's right, you're doing it. Um, I have, I, I have a mad respect for all these. I've, I, I had the CFO three years ago of the uh, spring league when it first was created. Uh, I had him on the show to talk about the spring league, uh, the XFL. I've had a couple of players that, that played in the XFL, the AAF for crying out loud. I thought that was kind of cool when it was first starting. Um, I like these and now we got fan control football you obviously have indoor football and arena that you know there are various leagues within the united states that are you know they go some fold some don't but they, they've got those going on too but i am a huge fan of these other opportunities for football players to continue on because before for the longest time jordan it seemed like you had the nfl or bust i mean a lot of players wouldn't do what you did and go play in mexico or play overseas whatever because they don't realize one they don't make a ton of money and two they don't feel that it's going to help them develop. They want to be in front of the scouts, but in reality, you get what helps you develop is the repetition. You got to keep the, the reps coming and, and, and work on your skill set, which you have done. Do you feel that these other opportunities, the spring league, the XFL, that hopefully they can get their doors back open one of these days, who knows what they'll do, but you know, the XFL, obviously fan control football, these other little leagues, do you feel that they're beneficial for players and that more people should take advantage of them? Yeah. I would say that obviously certain, certain ones are, um, I won't say the names. I don't like bashing anybody. Yeah, Certain yeah, ones yeah. I wouldn't do. You just want to watch out um, for people that that um, you know that may want to take your money or whatever, like tryouts and different things like that. You got to be careful what you go to. But anything to stay active to where you can get film is always going to be good. I would say that the, the fact that you're being active and the fact that you're you're showing because that's what teams want to see. You know, teams want to see that you're active. You can't say yeah i want to get picked up but you're sitting at home and they don't have anything to look at it was times to where i even i for the longest time i became my own agent you know during that time i, I guess i forgot to mention this when after the sign happened i was sending out emails to teams myself i was making calls to the pro player personnel myself and i you know and i was telling them like hey you know i have film to send i have this to send and they were taking it some gave me responses i think bobby mack could do himself uh, for the Chicago Bears gave me a response back to myself. You know, he's, he, he, I mean, yeah, he gave me a response, like exactly from him. So it was like, and it, it wasn't the fact that again, and I, I did sales job in Charlotte. I was in Charlotte for a year, you know, before the time happened, it was LW, LW2 Solutions. That's why I would say that 
my process has been so crazy because I've learned so much. Yeah. Right now, I excelled at this sales job, but they taught me that Loris Lane um, and David Wyatt, they taught me that for so many no's, for every no that you hear, there's going to be a yes. So no matter how many times I heard no, I, as long as they were responding, I knew something was going to happen. So that was my mentality of pushing through and sending out all those things. So you got to understand that these things that you go through, you may hear no's, but as long as you stay active and you keep acting, things are going to happen. Um, and I'm seeing that over and over again in, in stories, even Coach Carter's story, who's here at the FCF. He, I think he got denied by Coach Jenkins, the head coach, a couple of times. You know? And then he, he, he came to like a third tryout or something, and he broke through. He, got, he made the team. He coached. He played many years in the CFL. He played in the NFL. Now he's a defensive coordinator here. So <laughs> with Coach John Jenkins. So it, it I think that it's an over-resounding thing that if you stay in something and you don't give up and you just continue to push, again, get your film and stay active. I don't, no matter what you're doing, you have to be active in what you want. Because action shows action is everything. You have to take action first. Um, but it I think being active is very important. You have to. So these leagues are huge. I think they're dope especially because they can help a lot of players transition even easier for what I'm hearing. So man, this is the stuff I want to hear. That is so awesome, man. Uh, I love hearing it from somebody who's in the thick of things. I I hate hearing opinions from the so-called experts that are out here saying what they want to say. They bash it. Some give them respect, but some don't. And I'm like, dude, guys, let's, let's hear from the people who are actually in these things that are, that are utilizing these tools and resources. I think that's awesome, man. Um, Thing is, it's connections, man. I would say that even at the tryout, I had somebody that wanted to join my business as a trainer. Um, that was a fellow athlete, and it's people here. I mean, you're meeting people that not only are football players, but the football is a huge like fraternity. So if you played, if you played in a certain, played in a certain league, if you know somebody, you can get jobs that even if it's not football, you can get something. So I think that's the dope thing about it. You know, and that's actually something I wanted to create. I think I, I even started a not-for-profit called Alphas Athletes Looking for a Shot, where I want to help those athletes, you know, that are looking for a shot because I've had to work a job, take the money I've earned and spend it, or, or borrow money from people I love and spend it on opportunities or going to get an opportunity. Um, and, you know, again, man, it, so it, it gets tough. And, you know, employers may not like you at, still wanted to play football i got turned down for jobs because they're like yeah i feel like you want to play ball yeah. and you want to commit it to me well you're right <laughs> so yeah. you gotta respect it so it's different things like that man so these leagues are great i'll tell you that right now they're great they're perfect. i love it for anyone out there who's listening to that too a couple of things i took note on uh you said for all the no's you'll eventually get a yes. You know, I, I told people that about my podcast, even when I first started, you know, people didn't know who I was. They knew I was passionate, but it was only just friends and family, you know, I'll reach out to people. Hey, you want to come on my show? Want to come, sh- come on my show? I'll get notes from some people, but then you'll get the yes. Like I'll get a yes from someone like yourself. You know, I'm like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. Like you just got to put the action in. Another thing you, you mentioned in regards to that is the action. One thing I've noticed about you, Jordan, just from talking to you for the last 50 minutes is Actions speak louder than words. I asked you about what you did at Mizzou. You talked about, you know, you didn't really say much. You just, you just put in the work. Actions speak louder than words. So just act. You got to be putting in the work. You got to consistently put in the work. You can't stop. And if that means you've got to find unique ways to do it, like you were working jobs, you got turned down for jobs. You were working certain things. You were borrowing money. You were doing unique things to try to find opportunities. The other thing I want to touch base on is the content creation piece. You never know. Like you, you had a sign which has opened up opportunities that builds networks. I uh, I think anybody can hear this and learn from you. 
relationships are huge. So find the opportunities. And when you have those opportunities, cease that moment and, and build those relationships because those will take you so far when you, when you build those relationships. You've, you've taken advantage of the leagues, the opportunities given to you and built some amazing relationships like you just mentioned um, through those. So athletes out there that are coming up right now, understand that it may not be easy just because there's all these different leagues and different opportunities out there. It's not going to be easy. It's not necessarily saying it's easy, but it does provide opportunities. So take advantage of those. Yeah. I want to talk to you, man. Two things before we wrap up, and I'm sorry for taking so much time, man. I just love hearing your story. But it's it's incredible. The Fan Controlled Football League, we just had the first week. By the time this airs, there will be a, like another game or two before. Um, it's on Twitch. Uh, if anybody's interested in watching it, it's, it's being streamed on Twitch. And it's actually really cool. But from yourself – as a player, how's the how's the feeling out there? Um, what does it feel like? There's not a lot. There's no fans there, but like, what's the production feel like? Do you feel like it's a high quality football? Um, what's it like in comparison to what you've played in the past? I would say, you know, the the rules are different. I would say uh, certain things we're like as far as um, lining up. You know, obviously it's three down linemen, different things on the yard, off the ball, different things that play into it. But I think um, it. It's still fun, man. I would say that, you know, you get to see things. Obviously, there's certain things that may carry to the offense a little bit. Uh, but, you know, they people want to see the offense score. You know what I mean? And then that's fine. But we still get to make plays. So it, it's still a lot of fun. It's a lot of stuff going on. And I would say that it's pretty dope. Like, you know, we, we get to, you know, enter, enter a certain way. We get interests. You know, you, you don't do that in other, in other forms of football. I mean, you do, but. You know, like they got smoke, they got all that different stuff. So it makes you feel, you know, like a superstar in a lot of different ways. So it's cool, man. It's dope. I would say that. I love it. I like yeah. it, man. Yeah. I like it. it. It's cool to watch, too. I look forward to watching more of the games. Um, I mean, obviously, the big name is Johnny Manziel. They try to, you know, they put Johnny in there, and he's a stud. But, uh, you know, and I'd like to talk to I think Johnny's another guy who's taking advantage of opportunities out there, every yeah. league in the book. Um, but, uh it's cool. There's a lot of other names like yourself. And I, I had mentioned this before, TJ Edwards, um, quarterback for the Beast. He's a, uh, I think he's the backup for him, but he played quite a few uh, snaps the other day too. Like just a lot of names out there getting film, uh, getting experience, getting reps, and just having a fun time out there. And then I noticed on the back of your jersey, this is what I wanted to end with, Jordan. It says yeah. Elevated. Why did it say elevated, not not Harold, not Jordan, whatever? Let's talk to us about what elevated is and, and why you put the word elevated in there and how that ties into your actual business outside of it. So elevated for me, you know what I mean? To lift something up, to raise it. Um, obviously, um, through my life, through my experience, I feel as though I've been elevated. You know, consciously, um, all these different things, spiritually, just through the things that I've been through. So the word elevated means so much to me, you know, and, and walking as an elevated being is huge. And I think we all have the capacity to do so, which is why I created Elevated Being. Um, they see it on my shirt. Um, but it's about people tapping into that power that was given to them. You know, again, we talked about a source, right, creator, no matter what you believe in, whether you say the name Jesus, whether you say God, no matter what you say, you say universe, you were given a power, right, for you. Um, to come into this world and do amazing things. You have, I think we all have the capacity to do amazing things, but we don't realize it. And it takes a renewing of the mind. It takes, you know, tapping into yourself, you know, whether it be, whether you, you elevate mentally. Well, one thing, it starts, it starts with the mind. So once you change your mind, you can elevate uh, physically, uh, financially, um, spiritually, anything that you want. 
once you start to realize who you are, right, you kind of awaken to yourself and the power that you were given, um, you become elevated. And I think, you know, that's what it's all about, man. So that, and that's what I try to tell people. And that's what I want to help people do, you know, elevate their life, you know, their entire life if I can. So, you know, and that's the goal, man. I think that's something that's been my road, my, my process, my life has kind of led me to finding that. And I want to help others find the same thing because I, I see proof of it. I mean, I, I can't, you know, it's a testimony, you know, yeah. for sure, man. So elevated being you're out there helping people, man. I love it. Uh, like I said earlier, I've been following you and um, I love what you're doing, but where can everybody find you at? If they want to take part in the services that you provide to help yeah. elevate them um, and help them with, with growing such as the stuff that you've done. So how can they find more information on elevated being? Yeah, you can go to elevatedbeingbyjh.com, um, and it, it's spelled Elevated Being, no space, and then, you know, J-H at the end of it. You can also follow me at elevatedbeing underscore J-H on Instagram. Um, and, you know, you can click the link in my bio. You can check out the website. Um, if you're interested in any services we provide, such as personal training and life coaching, primarily right now, you can definitely do that. Um, we also help people in business. Um you know, people may not know what Lean Six Sigma is, but we use those methods, um, and that'll be on the website. But, the, uh, you know, and the goal is just to help people, man. I even have, if anybody wants it, they can go to my texting service. It's all about advice. Um, I, I send daily, like daily texts, or every other day I send out texts, and that's all personally for me, um, just to just to help people in life, whether it be, again, mentally, um, whether it be a word of motivation, whether it be advice if they need it, they can definitely ask. You know, it's just something that's just there free for anybody. You know, they even just had a question about it. So, and that number, they can text it. Can I say it? <laughs> yeah, for sure, yeah. man. Throw it out there. They can text it 314-370-2877. And anything, if you, if you have advice, if you want advice, if you just want to partner on fitness, if you need something in life, just send over, send us a message and we'll get back to you. I'll get back to you. Um so it's pretty cool, man. But they can find everything on the site. They can find everything on my page. Um, and it, it's it's a really good thing. I'm growing. I even even to the point to where, you know, I want a community, a huge community of elevation. You know, we have that, but it's growing. You know, it's growing. It's growing. It's growing. So, Man, I love it. I'm going to put all those links here in the description. Show his Instagram page, his website, as well as the number he just sh uh, shouted out for you guys to, to get be part of the text services that he's providing. Jordan, it's been awesome talking to you, man. I look forward to seeing your growth, not only as a football player, but as an entrepreneur, business owner, helping everybody elevate. Um, you're an inspiration. I think it's uh, amazing your story so far, but your story's not finished. Um, it's like Kobe once said, job's not finished. Job finished. Yeah. <laughs> it's not done, but what you've been able to accomplish thus far has been incredible. So I just want to say thank you for allowing me to speak with you here on the show. So thanks, Jordan, for, for joining us here. Man, thanks for having me, man. I've, I've enjoyed my time here. It's been amazing. Thanks for allowing me to, you know, express that. So it's been good. It's been really good. Appreciate you, brother. And I hope everybody else enjoyed it. Again, go follow Jordan. I'll have his links in the description. And make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Share it with your friends and family and anybody who can find some motivation from Jordan's story. And you guys know the drill. We'll be coming to you next week with another interview. Take care. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.